0: It's the Friends Without Benefits podcast. My name is Jason Horton, and I'm here with an old friend. That's about to be new again. I think uh, when I get to the bottom of this person. I mean, not you know when I get when I get to know you more up up to date. I'm here with Maddox.
1: Yes. So, Hello.
0: Yeah. So that's I mean that's that
1: old friend, new friend, still yeah. friends. Yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and we a kind of we met. Oh, I first became aware of you um, at UCB, right? Yeah, it was UCB, like that community. UCB yeah. Theater, right. UCB Theater. But I think we reconnected with, with you know, the YouTube space. Correct. Yes. Yeah. And what I always thought was super cool is uh, improvisers and theaters, um, either they were in you know, uh, Funny or Die and um, other kind of platforms, but uh, I always thought it was cool, like, oh, somebody from... The improv scene is really embracing YouTube, and this is a couple of years ago. Now it's you know it's a lot more, um, a lot more pre- prevalent. So I was always like, "That's really really cool," and I felt like I was like, "Oh, somebody else now." Obviously, you know, I mean, you, I mean, YouTube just gets more and more popular, and probably maybe less people are involved in. I mean, unless you have a fidget spinner. Yeah. Um, I know you do plenty of fidget spinner stuff. I,
1: <laughs> I actually did buy a fidget spinner, and here's the thing: I know all the haters are shitting on it, but I love mine.
0: I have one in the car and one at home.
1: It's great. It's great. Yeah. And and people are like, Oh, what do you do with it? You spin it. Yeah. And then you fidget. Yeah. It's in the fucking title. Yeah. What do you think you do with it? And it's not that complex. And they're like, well, what does it do? Just spin? I'm like, yeah, it just spins and you and when I'm editing, I like to hold it in my hand. It's fun to play with. I I take it to restaurants with me sometimes and the waitress comes by She's like, oh what's that? It's a oh it's a fidget spinner. Let me hold it. Let me try it. Interesting yeah. conversation starter. Yeah, it's starter. not like you're making yeah. slime. No. Oh well. <laughs> oh <laughs> okay. Well, okay. I'm, yeah. I'm looking into the different <laughs> recipes, and I found out borax can burn your hands if you don't use it correctly. Okay. Yeah.
0: So you're taking you're taking the dark the dark turn yeah, of yeah. of making slime. But I uh, I always thought that was really cool. And I, I, another very interesting thing about you is, from what I remember, you telling me at a party, and it's Hollywood. We're getting crazy. I'm looking for hors d'oeuvres. You're probably looking for hors d'oeuvres, yeah. right? That's basically what we're doing at these things, right? Depends
1: looking... on the party, and I'll yeah. tell you why
0: in a minute. But go on. Yeah. Um, and we talked about you having a uh, one of the one of the earliest websites. Does that ring a bell? Is yeah. that what I'm saying? Makes yes. sense. Okay, yes,
1: correct. What what is that? It's called the best page in the universe, yes. and it started in 1997. It's one of the oldest running websites on the internet. It's older than Google, and uh, I've been running it. S- straight since 1997 uh, it's I still post updates to it uh, not as regularly as I used to I wish I had more time but uh, yeah it's that's my site
0: is being kind of on the ground floor of having a website as far as people as far as people finding websites and websites surfacing um, does it get buried or is it more prevalent because
1: it's so ingrained in the internet well because my site is so old and at one point it was it was probably one of the heaviest traffic sites on the internet. I, I mean, I was getting more traffic than McDonald's uh, and, and Coke and Pepsi websites. Like, my website was blowing them out of the water. Um, it never, I don't think it ever got top 10, but uh, definitely in the top 1,000 or 2,000, which is saying a lot on the internet. Is that like an Alexa? Like Alexa ranking, yeah. yeah. So it got a ton of traffic for a while, and um, – because of that, it it helped with the Google ranking as well. Because Google gives authority to websites that have been around for a long time that lots of people link to. And I went with the name "The Best Page in the Universe" because. And I found and this is fascinating. I found out there's so many like twelve year old kids who read my website, and I'm like, why? That's so inappropriate. You shouldn't be reading any of my stuff. And it turns out, as a twelve-year-old kid, what's the first thing you search on the internet? The the best, the best page in the, on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so that's how a lot of like kids are finding my website. And that's I created it when I was sixteen years old, and I decided to go with that name. B-
0: what was the impetus? Is that the right word? Yeah. The, the impetus. I never use that word, but you know, I'm trying to use a new word in every podcast. Kidding. I'm not trying to do that. <laughs> uh, what was the impetus of you making that? Because there was a point where it didn't exist, and then you point. Where you're like, I guess I'm
1: going to do this website. Honestly, I just had some free web space on my internet service provider uh, with Mission. It's a small internet service provider in Utah. And they provided with every account, every internet account, um, some free, like 10 megs of free uh, hosting. So I thought, okay, well, I'll start a website, my personal homepage. And I called it the best page in the universe. And I started posting rants there. And I would check my access logs now, for those of you who are listening who don't know, access logs are literally just lines of uh, of text, like your IP address, the browser you're using, what time you, you access the website. And I checked those, like, religiously. And I was, saw that every now and then I'd get a blip on my access logs. I'm like, oh, my God, people are reading this? This shitty little website? So that's how you'd find
0: out how well
1: it's doing. Yes. In a sense, okay. And I was getting, on average, like five readers per month. And I was so ecstatic. I thought, oh, my God, five people care about what I have to say. That's amazing. And so that kept me going, and I kept posting rants and updates and things like that. Then there was a big breakthrough. What really put me on the map was in 2002, I wrote this article called I Am Better Than Your Kids. And I graded children's artwork. I talked about it on a radio show. My website went from a a couple hundred hits per day to a couple thousand overnight. Then someone in Poland, I tracked this guy down. Someone in Poland took that article and put it in a Word document and started spreading it. And it was one of the first really viral emails that went around. And it went, Did you get credit for that? Well, not at first. Eventually, people found it, but I, you know, there's a lot of credit. And that's typical of
0: nothing's changed. Yeah,
1: yeah, I still get ripped off. Like just last year, I, I did something that got like 30, 40 million. Re, you know, re, uh, uh, recirculations, retweets, whatever, for shares on mm-hmm. Facebook. I, I didn't get much credit for it. Um, kind of sucks. But that that really put me on the map. My website went from a couple thousand per day to a couple million um, overnight. And it was just crazy. And can
0: that be just like, you know, cause, uh, let's uh, take YouTube. And, and a video goes viral. And people are like, oh, I'm going to subscribe to this. I'm going to watch this. They, when they come back, they hope to see another of this. I mean, there's some people that will stick around, but there's other people like, No, I want more of like you're like better than a kid or whatever, whatever it is. Did you find people uh, stuck around or did it kind of ebb and
1: flow or is it like three steps forward, one step back? Or, yeah, no, that's a great question. Um, because that's the thing. A lot of my detractors and haters at the time, they're like, Oh, okay, this is a flash in the pan. You just, you know, even my internet service provider thought okay this once the traffic dies down from this, then we'll move you back to your regular hosting because they were helping me stay on top right um with the traffic surges they the traffic never stopped people I found out that people liked my other writing as well, and that's when uh this became a thing I started uh selling merchandise uh, I got a book deal um I got a second book deal, and I you just, have a third book, yeah, yeah, I just finished my third book and were you ever, as a kid, or anything, where you're like,
0: "I'm gonna write a book," or was it born out of like, uh, "Well, I'm I'm
1: having success," or were you like, "I'm gonna write this book, whether I have found success or not"? Um, it was not any one of my long term goals that were immediate. I mean, um, I wanted to do everything, obviously. Um, uh, well, I guess it's not obvious. I don't know why I said that, but. I wanted to write a book. I wanted to write a comic book. I wanted to make a video game. I wanted to work on TV, movies, all that stuff. I loved doing creative things, and so I, when my website blew up, I received an email from my editor in New York, and he was just like, "Hey, you want to write a book?" And I replied, "Yeah." He was. What was he your editor of? He was uh, the editor at Kensington Books. At and the how did
0: you know him? Like, how did you? How did he? know to come to you and say hey do you want to write a book he
1: just came to my website okay and he's a very astute uh sharp guy he's the guy who also dis- he's he discovered me he discovered tucker max uh he discovered uh, robert hamburger from real ultimate power um he's discovered so many different like writers. tucker
0: max must die is that tucker max oh, what was tucker he was like a kind of controversial yeah kind of blog guy.
1: tucker max um had a website called I Hope They Serve Beer in Hell. Oh, okay. Uh, or that's his, that's his first book. Yeah. And that did really well. Uh, I believe that was a New York Times bestseller. He made a movie out of it and that sort of thing. So my editor, my editor is very sh- very sharp, and he's very astute, and he's with it. So he just goes on the internet, and he finds properties that are doing really well and things that resonate with him, and he knows that there's an audience for it. So it's, so
0: it's, he knows if you guys make something just like in YouTube or, or people have an audience, we're not going to start at zero. Right. And that's right. – I mean, that's a, uh, a huge benefit of having an audience that when you make something, you know that you have an advertising platform and there might be some people that are interested at the very least.
1: Absolutely. And it, it, it's interesting you mentioned YouTube because now that's what he's going after is people with YouTube followings because they buy books as well. Um, my editor likes what I do and he likes my writing, et cetera, et cetera, and the other people he signs. But at some level, at the end of the day, it's a business. And that's what I keep trying to tell people who want to write books. The first question I ask them is why? Why do you want to write a book? First of all, it's awful. It's the worst thing. Don't do it. It's just it's gru- it's grueling. You will um I you know, every time the first the first book I wrote was called The Alphabet of Manliness and I lost hair, I gained weight, I got high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I was on my way to an early death
0: because of this book.
1: Yes. Why? It was so stressful to write that book. I wrote the whole thing in six months, from start to finish, over 230 pages, including illustrations. And for every page of writing that went into the book, there was two of description to the illustrators that didn't. So I would I, – and then I, I even had to create a program where the illustrators could communicate with each other, upload their artwork, and coordinate a, a, a cohesive look for the entire book. Uh, so there, was, there was no – did you have any uh, – a lot of YouTube
0: people uh, write books. Right. I, and, uh, you know, some it's ghostwritten or they have five other people helping them. Yeah. Was you, was just 100% you and then just like a book editor
1: type thing for technical purposes? Or was it just all you, every word? Every word, everything. I, I mean, Jason, when I, that's the thing, that's the thing that people don't understand. When you write a book, right, and everyone's like, oh, I got to get a publisher. I'm like, why? They don't do anything. Like, I, if I didn't put it in the book, it doesn't. You're not going to find it in the book. I even went so far as to create the um, the cover layout, the internal layout, the design of the book, the font. Uh, my for my second book, I created my own font for it. Uh, the publisher doesn't do doesn't do much. I I paged my second book. It's insane how much work it is. What does um, that mean p- to page it? Oh, paging it. So I my second book was called uh, Crappy Children's Artwork, and I graded children's artwork. Right. So I have a piece of artwork and then I have some text and I have to make the text and the artwork look like they organically go together. Okay. And the publisher said, It's too complicated. We don't know how to do this. So I, as the author, where my job is to just author. Author. Oh. Correct. Yeah. I created a tutorial for them and I said, This is how you do it in Photoshop. And they said, We can't do that. It's too complicated. And I said, Okay, well, I'll I guess I'll just do it. <laughs> and I'll, I'll page my own book. Nobody does that. I had to page my, my second book myself. And I said, well, can I at least have a copy of InDesign? You know what InDesign is? The, no. InDesign is, is a piece of software that uh, uh, layout people use to to page magazines. So I'd be happy
0: it, to promote it as a sponsor if, if they're out there. I'm just saying. Everything we talk about – ha- you're drinking a Coke Zero right now. Happy yeah. to talk. happy to happy to, ha- happy to do a Coke. My mi- Mishka Mishka hat. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, we'll, we'll promote it. all your. St- I mean, all your stuff. Yeah, is, yeah. Comes with. It.
1: Um, so InDesign, InDesign is um, you know for paging books and magazines and that sort of thing. I said, can I have a license for this? Because it's like three hundred dollars, and I'm never going to use the software again. They said, no, we don't have that. So I had to download a trial version of the software to page my book. And I, Which is their job. It's their in, job. Uh, yeah. yeah. So anyway, um, don't write a book is the – Well,
0: you know, I think some – and this is uh, kind of – I'm guessing that I think people just want to say, my publisher. Just to have that in conversation, oh, my publisher. He's just up my butt about the pages. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, they feel like that's the thi- – just by you saying my publisher, I'm like, I'm impressed. <laughs> but I don't know what goes on behind the scenes, but – what would you say to people? I mean, they already do it, but about I mean, self-publishing is obviously an easier, more accessible thing you can yes. do now. Is there a benefit to like right now? Like, if you could take go through that same thing, and would self-publishing your own book behoove you? I oh, the yeah, word behoove.
1: Uh, absolutely, <laughs> yeah. yeah, absolutely. I I I considered publishing my my new book, uh, self-publishing, and the only reason I didn't is because. I don't know how much longer the publishing business model is going to exist. I mean, when's the last time you traditionally? Went to a, traditionally, right? When's the last time you went to a bookstore, right? Yeah. I mean, it they, they don't exist. Anymore. Five days a week I go. Yeah. Because I just love. I love to read. Oh man, <laughs> I, love I to wish. Learn. I, I miss Borders. I miss just you know browsing through a Barnes and
0: Noble. I still you know I'll go to the I'll go to like uh, I'll go to the Grove or something like that and I'll pop in there. But I like to re- you know read magazines, like yeah. music magazines. I don't buy anything um because I'm garbage and I just use it as a library uh <laughs> to read magazines. Uh but no, yeah, I see I see what you're saying. So I want to go back to UCB because you so you started you were internet. You went from internet to uh improv sketch comedy. Right. Which is usually kind of a uh, sometimes the flip. Uh I mean for me it was the flip. Um but so how did how did you come upon also you mentioned Utah. Is that – you just happen to have a service provider there, or is that
1: uh, – Yeah, that's where I'm from.
0: That's where you're from? Yes. Okay. Yeah. What What's it like
1: there? Awful. Uh, now, it's, was that <laughs> another impetus for
0: you to be like, I got to create – I got to
1: get out of here? Is there any of that kind of thing? Well, so when my first book came out, uh, that that was a New York Times bestseller. It was, it was fairly successful, and I was at a crossroads in my life.
0: You were I, in Utah at this point? I was in
1: Utah still, yes. And I thought – I could settle down here, buy a big house, and just, like, just be done with it, and uh, th- that's pretty much the end of my life, I think. I'd, I would just stay in Utah. Or I could come out to LA and follow some of the leads I got, because I, I kept getting phone calls from producers and directors, that sort of thing, like, hey, let's work together. Um, so I decided to take a risk and come out to Los Angeles. And what I found is, I, I, I wrote my first book to be a commercial success. I knew what I was writing. The alphabet of manliness. Sure. It's you it's know all what, right there. It's right you, there. Yeah. You know what's in the book. At
0: a time where I think that was something where people were very gravitating towards, whether it's, you know, being uh, you know, whether it's being commentary or it's seriousness, you know, it's like stuff. and I'm not saying this, but you know, like stuff like pickup artisty type stuff, being a man, like, you know, and I'm not saying that's not what it is, but I feel like I remember as a man I mean, I guess I am. I remember that kind of time. And that might be something where, not that I was ever really manly, but I might see that and be like, this interests me. Like, what is it? You know what I mean? Because I want to know what it's like to, to be a man according to a book. Well, it's
1: interesting you mentioned the pickup artist because um, the pickup artist community. Neil Strauss, uh, my editor also found him. So we have the same editor. And he wrote a blurb for my book that's on Amazon right now. I met Neil Strauss, uh, really great guy. Very interesting, interesting dude. Uh, very fascinating. But um, I did my homework, Jason, when my book came out around that time. You know how many books about manliness there were? I'm going to guess two numbers. Three or 200. <laughs> there was only one, okay. and that came out in 1998. The only other book about manliness, and it was called the Von Hoffman Brothers Big Damn Book of Sheer Manliness. And I remember looking at that book when I was a kid, and, and uh, it's very much like – your dad's manliness, right? Golf. Not my dad, but maybe somebody else. <laughs> maybe said. some, like, like your your dad's generation of yeah. manliness, like golf, sports cars, beer, girls, that sort of thing. I wanted to write a book that wasn't like that, and the word beer does not even show up in my manuscript. Um, the word golf, there's no sports. It's a very, it's kind of like a, it's. I mean, it's clearly satire. It's a satire of manliness um, because if you follow. Some of the advice and lifestyle guides in my book, you will die. Uh, <laughs> so, would you say your perception of
0: what you wrote in that book has that changed? Oh yeah. I mean, is it changed just because the times have changed, or has it changed because you have changed?
1: As... Well, a little both. Yeah. I, I went. I haven't read ever read my book from start to finish. The Alphabet of Manliness. It's it's been too hard for me to just sit down and read that book. It's like
0: watching your own yeah video or
1: something like yeah. that. It's painful a little bit. I mean, my other books. My other two books I have, and I'm able to, but that one for some reason I can't. Because I think because it was so difficult to write. Um, But I I recently did go back and start reading some of it, and there's just some of it that just um, doesn't hold up for whatever reason. First of all, there's some dated references in there. I reference uh, Pamela Anderson, and I don't even remember why. I reference Ellen DeGeneres, and I don't remember why. There's Chuck Norris jokes in there. Um, It's a dated book. It came out – 10, 11 years ago. So it's a it's a dated book. And then culturally, there's been a cultural shift too. Like some of the stuff in the book just isn't that funny to me. I feel like it's not my best writing. I feel like I could have written a lot better book. I mean, I wasn't. think
0: that's okay for something that, you know, you hope that you're better than you are in many ways than you are, you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah, I've, I've changed so much as a person and as a writer. I feel like I'm a much, much better writer today to the point where, my new book has come out. Like, I'm I'm my harshest critic. You know, people criticize me all the time. They make fun of me. They tear down my work. They call me every name in the book. They insult me all the time. But nothing compares to my own criticism. I mean, they, it makes me laugh how how weak it's the, the criticism I get is. But my new book, as harsh as I am for myself, is my favorite. My It's my best writing. And what's, that book's coming out. Yeah.
0: And what's that called again?
1: It's Fuck Whale's. Um, right, I see. I yeah. saw
0: that. Okay. What? Can you talk about what it's about? Sure.
1: Yeah, it's a, it's tease a, Us. Sure. Uh, originally, the publisher said we want a book of they, we we want to publish your anthology. We want to just take all your articles from the website. I said, well, that's a lazy thing to do. It's the greatest hits. Yeah, <laughs> like I, uh, yeah. Uh, I hate repurposing. That. I hate that shit. Cause then you're. I feel like I'm ripping off my audience. Yeah. Right. Oh, uh, here's all this. You're just repackaging your other stuff. Exactly. Like, if someone came to you, Jason, was like, hey, we want to put out a yes. DVD. <laughs> if somebody came up to me, I'm going
0: to say yes. You're gonna be I'm a very, a very desperate, very, very desperate Whatever it is. human being. No, I'll do it. I'll that's do fine. that. I'll I'll do that. No, I, but I, I see what you're saying because that's why sometimes, you know, I think of, uh, like, a greatest hits of a band. I'm like, sure, this is really convenient, but like, when I hear, like, I think when bands are like, oh, we don't want to put out a greatest hits, it's because that means, we're, are we done? So we need to now go back and yeah. go Like, are you done? So now you need to go no. back and, like, do this thing. No. So I can see, I see what you're I'm saying. I'm not done.
1: So I decided to write a book of all new rants, essays, and satire. And it's basically, I've recreated my life's work in this book. Um, the, the amount of work, rather, not... I, I didn't copy and paste. Um, it's all new rants, all new material. It's so it's like fuck whales, fuck poetry, fuck your family, um, fuck folksy wisdom, uh, fuck tables, fuck horses, fuck kids. But don't. Uh, yeah. You know, is that is that what
0: the title is like? But don't.
1: Yeah, but don't okay. is in there. <laughs> yeah. Um, Are you
0: afraid? Like when the cover has the word fuck on it. Yeah. I mean, like you're th- you're. Th- I mean, you're throwing up uh, a theoretical wall right there, right, right? Right. Right. Does that? I mean, I know you don't care. I know you don't care. But is anyone ever, like, can it just be, like, F whales, which is, like, really lame? Uh, does anyone ever try to uh, send? Uh, you know, have you censor yourself in that way?
1: Well, the publisher did. They put yeah. an asterisk on the cover. Okay. Um, and they put an asterisk on the time whales. Yeah. On, they're on, endangered. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, fuck, fuck them, though. Yeah. I, I mean, what do, what, what do whales do? Nothing. Yeah. The answer it, is nothing. The big,
0: it's something as big as A. I think it's the only time yeah. I use the word whales. Yeah.
1: And they always say people always say whales are are majestic. I'm like, they're not though. If you shrunk a whale down to the size of like a goldfish, no one would say that goldfish looked majestic cuz yeah. it's a little gray blob. They don't they're not symmetric necessarily. They have kind of weird faces. Um they're not beautiful creatures. They're gray. They're not even blue, they're gray. Let's let's be honest. What about Moby Dick? White? He was the white one, right? Yeah. Yeah um and great uh, white one yeah well i mean if, if if there was white whale no there are white whales they're belugas and they look like fucking idiots have you seen a beluga uh, not that i'm aware of it looks like they they're thinking this the sound Bleh. like that's okay, what's yeah. going on in their mind all right yeah
0: so i i want to okay this is a couple of things yes. i remember seeing a couple of key videos and one might probably true. did you have a th- uh, a video about like kind of exposing BuzzFeed. Yes. Yes. Okay. So that's something that I remember where you kind of talked about, and this honestly really resonated with me. I think you talked about how they. I mean, obviously they do a lot of repurposing, but not crediting back. Right. That I mean, I think they have kind of changed their practices since then. Right. They've been called out a lot. But they. But they. You know. And listen, I have no. I've did a BuzzFeed video once. I have no allegiance, nor no not allegiance, but they did build off of stealing stuff online and and, uh, curating but not giving credit. So it's off the backs of other people. Right.
1: Yeah, uh, Jason, we like to call it aggregating. Yeah. Uh, We like to aggregate content. Yeah, Uh, yeah, fucking BuzzFeed, man. Uh, Now everybody's jumping on the BuzzFeed, like hate BuzzFeed bandwagon, but uh, I was pretty early. I remember. That's
0: why I was just like, people
1: are like, you know, why quit BuzzFeed? And BuzzFeed does have a,
0: and I can't speak uh, for in case BuzzFeed wants to work with me. Um, I love you, BuzzFeed. I'll do anything you say. I don't care if you credit me or pay me. Just say you're my publisher. Um, but they uh, – you know, people were like, why I quit BuzzFeed. Uh, you know, kind of people not getting credit, even people that work there. And they kind of like really want – and they do a, a great – whatever they're doing, wanting to achieve, they're doing a great job of it to them, I'm sure. I mean, I, it seems successful to me. But you kind of called out like, hey – This is, like, a shitty thing. Right. What made you want to go at, like, they're whales right now. Like, they were your whales then, right? Yeah, yeah.
1: Um, BuzzFeed is just, I feel like it's the worst of bottom feeder content. And uh, Jonah Peretti, the guy who founded BuzzFeed, um, I think helped found Huffington Post way back mm -hmm. in the day. So he has a lot of experience. His wheelhouse is learning how traffic flows to websites, learning what works and what doesn't. And uh, some of these websites like BuzzFeed and Upworthy. Mm-hmm. Upworthy is another one. They're very clickbaity. And uh, Upworthy is Upworthy's less a website for content and more an ex- a social experiment to find out what gets people to click. And they literally do A-B testing with every single one of their art, with their headlines. So they'll create multiple pages, and I do this too to see which uh, thumbnails work best. You'll create multiple pages on Facebook, get a small following on each one, and then post a link to your article with two different titles, two different thumbnails. See which one gets the more, more, more clicks. And then of the two, that's the one you promote for the next round. And then sometimes you can keep doing A-B testing in multiple rounds to find the most click-worthy or clickable link or clickable title. BuzzFeed has essentially tapped into that formula and, and that's all they're doing they're they're creating uh highly clickable listicles and things that people click on and then just uh, go to and the, but the problem is like the content the quality is so so bad there's there's no writing on these pages a lot of times they're just pictures and they have just the most ba- bare requisite of writing to justify even having that picture on that website
0: i uh yeah i uh
1: I think what I was gonna get at, uh, and, and I, mean, I know I people thinking. who work at yeah. BuzzFeed. Yeah, too.
0: yeah, uh, yeah. I, I just, I mean, the, you know, there was a, a, a th- you know, there's obviously a, a bunch of YouTube videos like "Why I Quit BuzzFeed," and yeah. that was a, a popular thing yeah. of uh saying um I hate BuzzFeed. But there, there, d- I mean, just a, there needs to be, like you said, like a little bit of a, you know, A/B split, you know, testing to know like you want to get people to click, though. I mean, is the bottom line, but you want.
1: When they click that you're delivering like what you want to be delivered and you're proud of what's behind it. Now, now, see, here is some th- an important distinction between BuzzFeed and every other website on the internet and my site. I don't give a shit if you click on my site. And that's what – when people come to me and they hold their clicks hostage, yeah. hey, Maddox, you lost a fan. I'm like, good. Fuck you. Yeah. Don't come back. Yeah. I'm doing you a favor. You're not doing me one. Well, you're giving free content. It's free content. Yeah. I don't have ads on my website, yeah. so I don't give a shit if you click on it because every click you come to my website costs me money, uh, so I don't need you. Uh, and so that's why I've never been about clickbait. I don't care. I just don't care. Um, I do have ads on my website, my podcast. You know, uh, I've worked on TV shows and that sort of thing, but my website is my one pure venue where I have no ads and I can say anything I want unfiltered and unfettered. I want to kind of go back to UCB cuz I'm wondering how
0: your kind of point of view on things. I mean I I could see I mean I, that it did fit in with UC, you know, kind of I guess UCB, but how did you kind of fit in from being like a person in the internet and creating stuff to doing improv and sketch there in that community.
1: So, uh, yeah, it's interesting you you mentioned that because um when we met too, Jason, I had no idea you we're making YouTube videos or anything like that. I just when I saw you at the YouTube space, I thought, oh hey, there's that guy. Yeah. From UCB. Yeah. That I occasionally saw that doing. Hot improv. guy. That was not, that's not a hot guy. He's not modeling today. What's he doing? Yeah. What's he doing? He's not modeling. That's yeah. weird. He's Out of his environment. Yeah. Um, so UCB, I started doing that because for two reasons. Um, when I first moved to LA, I didn't really know that many people. I needed to make friends, and I thought that was a good community. And second was I was a very shy person. If you had met me like 10 years ago, I probably wouldn't be able to make eye contact. Were you like that
0: in Utah as well? I or were was. you comfortable there? Okay.
1: No, I was very shy. And the first time I ever did any public speaking was at a book signing event. And I, had, I stood up in front of an audience of like 70 people. And I was sweating bullets and so nervous. I had nothing to say. I didn't know what I was doing. And I wanted to get past that and work on myself. Because I noticed that was a something in myself that I didn't like. And I wanted to improve it. I wanted to be able to talk to girls. I used to be very, very shy. I wouldn't be able to look girls in the eye. I wouldn't be able to uh, flirt, or you know, I didn't have the skills. Going necessary. back to the
0: alphabet of manliness didn't wasn't helpful. <laughs> that didn't. You didn't go back to your own the your own Bible. I mean, one?
1: the alphabet of manliness is bonkers, man. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a chapter on boners in there, um, and and that's like uh, you know, I basically talk I talk about. How you can use boners as like a utility, you know, like clubbing things with it sure. and carrying things with it, using it for shade, that sort of it's not a sex guide.
0: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Well
1: yeah. I, mean, I mean I mean I be. it could
0: be. Sure. So uh did you did you find that the improv
1: community and uh U C B fostered that? What, fostered what?
0: Uh uh Making friends. Oh, yeah, know, absolutely.
1: Should, yeah. yeah. So so it got me out of my head. I was able to communicate. So the first time I, I did my book tour, I insisted with the publisher. I said, please get me to the store one hour ahead of time so I can prepare and have my notes ready and I can rehearse and that sort of thing. The second time I went on a book tour, after I started doing improv, I would just show up and, you know, five minutes before. And they were like, all right, you're on. I'm like, cool. Walk out there. Cool as a cucumber. Completely confident, knowing that I'd be able to handle anything anyone threw at me. Uh, so improv definitely taught me those skills. Now, the UCB world and the Maddox world never really um, crossed over. I, I wanted to go into improv and be a, have a completely pure experience. So most people in real life don't know about Maddox, and most people uh, like the Maddox people don't know about like the real life side of it. And I keep those separate because I want to have an experience that isn't tainted or or, or shaded by Maddox. Especially when people know who I am, um, then they treat me a little bit differently. Sometimes uh, they, you know, some people might try to like ride that fame or you ride your coattails, that sort of thing. Um, pretend to be your friend. I'm not
0: doing that right now.
1: No, uh, no, Wait, I'm doing. Are you? Jason, are you or not?
0: Fuck you! I'm doing you a favor. This is costing me money. There you like, go. Pretty good, huh? There pretty you go. Good. I don't mean it, but you're getting your manics yeah, 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 there. yeah, yeah. I don't mean yeah. it, but that's that's. Uh, I tried it. Yeah. Um. Did you feel like was there? Because from what I like, I said what I, I also know about you is you don't get like. I, I don't. F- you're one of the few people that I met. There's like people say I don't cater. Like I don't do this, and I was like, you do a little bit. I've done it about ten billion times. Sometimes I don't. Sometimes I do. I feel like you're somebody that's relatively uncompromising. Uncom- uh, from what I've seen of your stuff, from your personality, from kind of what you told me without having to tell me that you you don't compromise. um, How did that, did that work with what you were doing at at UCB? Like, uh, were you able to, like, play well with others?
1: Yeah, so UCB, that's that's an important skill set that they teach you, which is a different way of thinking. And I swear, like, I tell everybody, you should at least take one improv class and if it's not UCB, there's a lot of different theaters. Yeah. Just take one improv class, um, and learn. I mean, we're
0: recording at the Nerdist right now. Yeah, um, you know, they have improv classes here. Yeah, um, yeah, maybe I'm, maybe I'm, you know, maybe I'm involved. I don't know. Are you teaching classes here? I'm not teaching classes. I, I've, to, I've taken about a little over a year. I mean, I was doing improv for like ten years, a long time. I was no. coaching, and and I was at IO and UCB and some crossover. I took like a little over a year off because I was just like didn't. I was very became very reclusive uh, about a lot of things. I, I took a year off of the podcast. For no reason. Doing, it was doing well for me. I mean, I enjoyed doing it. Why did you take a break? Absolutely no reason. I couldn't even give you a reason. I just started becoming like really reclusive with a lot of things. I stopped auditioning. Weird. I'm kind of, I'm back now. And people are like we didn't know you were gone because we didn't know who you were. But I'm back. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we're here. We're here at the Nerdist, and I'm recording the podcast here. And it's a really how, cool how many?
1: How many downloads a week were you getting before you took a break?
0: You know, I don't know the. You know, I said the SoundCloud like you know had like a hundred you know plus thousand followers. I know some had uh, like thirty, forty thousand. Some had. I think there's a couple that might have had like fifty, sixty thousand. Uh, but getting those iTunes num- iTunes numbers were not easy for me anyway yeah. that was part of the problem but it was yeah it was on new and noteworthy it was on internet stars and right. that thing and it just got a nice write- up uh, the AV Club did a nice uh, write- up recently so um we're you know we're back and you're you know helping uh, you're helping kick it off the first couple episodes That's hell right. yeah
1: yeah don't forget to subscribe to Jason on iTunes it's, yeah friends without Stitcher. benefits you know get get on there yeah subscribe leave a comment That's a great name by the way Friends without benefits.
0: It's funny. I yeah. I, there's a couple others on there, but yeah. um, I'm you know there's room for all of us. Yeah. There's uh another video though. I want to make sure I get all this. Uh, I remember because I think you may have screened at the YouTube space about the uh, truth about the wage gap. Yes. Um, which may have ruffled some feathers. Like, I don't know. I know did it? I mean, it didn't. I mean, uh, I'm a, a guy, I'm, a, I'm a white guy, so yeah. it didn't ruffle my feathers. I just found it interesting. Uh, I think because people, I remember just asking questions about like maybe like how you kind of, and you were pretty good, like you were like on top of like how where you sourced your information from. Right, you were, right. had a very comprehensive, where sometimes online it's like, there's no such thing as blank. And here's uh, uh, the reason why is my opinion. Right. You actually like source and seem to cross source. To kind of cover you, at least the basis of what you were of what you were putting out there.
1: Correct. So that video in particular, I spent so much time doing research because I wanted to like when when someone talks about the wage gap, right? It's seventy percent. Well, first of all, do you know what it is off the top of your head?
0: I do. I, I just don't want to. What l- is it? Say Lindsay it. Lindsay's here on the booth and. Uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, you know what I mean. Like, listen, I've, she's getting, she's getting, well, she's getting a hundred percent of the the wage for the, this podcast. Um, so, uh
1: yeah, we I'm, can talk about we can talk about this. I want to talk to Lindsay. Everyone, yeah. we'll we'll talk about this. But, um, I didn't know for sure because I've heard lots of numbers. I heard seventy percent. I heard seventy seven percent. I heard eighty two percent. I heard seventy three percent. I thought, okay, you know what? I'm going to find out what the wage gap is. What's the official? So you number?
0: weren't. Your goal wasn't. I want to disprove the myth of the wage gap.
1: No, I didn't mm-hmm. think it was a myth. Yeah, okay. You just wanted to find, Like, what is it true? What is it? What true? is it? Yeah. And here is how I came across that. Okay, I was writing uh, the chapter in my in the Alphabet of Manliness for Enlightenment, and I I started out the the, in the Enlightenment chapter making a joke essentially, saying something like Adam and Eve, um, you know, had some dispute, and God said, okay, um, Eve, from now on you're going to make blank cents to every dollar a man makes. And I thought I thought okay, what is that blank? What is is it 70%? 70 cents, 77 cents, what is it? So I googled it. And to my surprise, I found all sorts of numbers. And I thought, "Oh my gosh, well which one do I go with?" I just picked 70 I think in my book. And then that's what got me curious to start researching like why is why are there so many different numbers? I always thought that was, you know, it was like seventy percent. That's all, and
0: there's pretty big discrepancies between the numbers. Enough for you to, it wasn't like 70%, 70.5%, seventy percent, seventy point five percent, seventy point two percent. So there was a big. They t- were all th- over the place. Okay,
1: and I thought, well, that's that's weird. Why why is it like that? And then that's when that's when I started doing research and trying to find out. Because first of all, um, just from a very basic standpoint, if you hear that there is a discrepancy, if you hear that there is some uh, wage disparity or wage discrepancy as a fair. And uh, uh, an equal person, you think, why? Why is that that happening? That doesn't sound fair. I want people to – everybody should be paid the same amount for the same amount of work. It's bullshit. If if women are getting paid less, that's absolutely bullshit. So I thought, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. Why is this happening? Then I started going down this rabbit hole. The number one source for the wage gap number comes from the um, uh, the, the AAUW. And it's for the American Academic University Women or something like that. I forget I forget what AAUW stands for, but they're the ones who publish it. And it turns out that number comes from looking at the total number of dollars men make on average and comparing it to the total number of dollars that women make on average. And uh, they don't take occupation into consideration. They don't take experience level. They don't take tenure. They don't take um, – uh degrees education all these factors um whether you're married or not like these are all factors that that uh, affect the wage gap and then i started looking into it and i looked at uh, different countries too and iceland iceland is the most feminist country in the world you know that uh, there there's an article that just came out about it i do i do now they are the most feminist the most egalitarian country in the world i think their con- their congress or their senate is pretty much 50-50 women and men they have all sorts of laws that passed uh, that you can't market toys for uh, different genders, you have to have uh, wage parity across the board. You know what the wage gap is in Iceland? 82%. And that's astonishing. When you have the most feminist country in the world, Iceland, and they still have a wage gap. But the reason is, is because you still are not comparing like to like. When you start to compare – when you start comparing jobs – You're comparing money to money. Right. Right. Well, you, you you want to compare like a female chemical engineer to a male chemical engineer, and if they oh, the same experience, same, same experience, education, same, same job. job love, yeah. same jobs, that sort of thing. Um, now, once you control for all of those variables, there is still a small wage gap, and it's between ninety three and ninety five percent. Okay, so there's a, that's a seven to five percent disparity. That's still you know that's much better, but that's still bad that there is a disparity. Um, Some of it could probably be accounted for sexism, but there's also some uh, different variables like um, how likely men are versus women to ask for raises and negotiations. Now, the reason I said raise and negotiation is because there was a study in Sweden. uh, Two female economists from Sweden in Stockholm did a study, and they found that when they interviewed women versus men, the men were something like 82% more likely to ask for a raise. And they, they thought, well, that's so strange. Why? And they found that when men were told – so they did an experiment. They said men were told that they could negotiate for their salary, and women were told that they could negotiate for their salary. Uh, the men were much more likely to. But then when they changed the word negotiate to the word ask, women were more likely to, to ask for a raise rather than negotiate. And so they found that, that like even the language being used comes into play so it's it's a it's a very interesting, nuanced, and um, uh, subtle uh, debate that I think when you just say "boom, wage gap" across the board it it uh, you lose all of that. I mean, even in Hillary Clinton's administration, the women <laughs> were making like watch eight, yourself." <laughs> the women were making 82% of what men were making and, and they're like, "Well, how is that possible?" Cuz it's the same thing. You're not looking at the like yeah. jobs. Yeah. You have like a, a, the senior staff. Like Hillary Clinton is not, you know, you know she is she is as uh, uh, for for equality and women's rights as possible. How is it possible that she's making 80, you know, 82% in her administration? It's because you're not comparing the, uh, the same the same numbers. You know, you can't take you can't take a kid who's 16 years old work, working at McDonald's and then a lawyer and then average their two incomes and say, okay, well, that's their average income. It doesn't make sense. So I, I tried really hard to make that video and as equal and fair as possible. But you probably got some
0: backlash regardless. Right? No, I didn't actually.
1: Really? That video was, was very well received. Were you expecting more? Uh, I, was, I was expecting a bit more backlash, but it was very well received. Now, a lot of people have asked me to make more videos like that, and I've decided not to. Uh, because of the following reason, I, I feel like it's not. There's no point, because I looked at my demographics. I looked at the demo of who is watching my videos. And guess what the percentage of men versus women is on the on the demo for that video? Uh,
0: ninety ten male.
1: Pretty close. Ninety three percent male. 7% female. Now,
0: now, hold on. Is that because – do you normally, though, have – I feel like you normally have a, a pretty large male yeah, audience. So you're going to get – it's going to skew a little that way. But you'd think in tra- like people searching for an answer,
1: there might be women. They're lo- just looking for a singular video. It's, with it's not happening, Jason. Yeah. Um, the people who talk about this stuff, like people who, who attack – feminist issues, or talk about that stuff. So even, even if you're trying to do it in a respectful way, you're not attacking it. You're just discussing these, 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 uh, these statistics, these things. They're not watching the videos. Mm. There's a, there's this whole, like, um, shitlord area of the of the web. Uh, you know, the shitlords are people who are al- always making anti-SGW videos, right? right? And I just met one of them uh, recently, um, a bunch of them at, uh, at VidCon, like Shoe on Head, uh, Sargon of Akkad, and... Uh, you know, the the Worski brothers, all these people who make these types of videos. I don't think the people they want to reach are being reached, and myself included. And so I think it's totally pointless for me to talk about that stuff because the people I want to reach aren't listening. Um, I don't know how to bridge that. I'm going to try to find a way to do that. But if they're not listening to me, then it's kind of pointless to talk about this because I'm just preaching to the choir. I want
0: to... and I, again, I don't remember where I got this information. Was there some kind of, I'm gonna use the word drama, with you and uh, on Reddit and something to do with your podcast and someone leaving? Oh. Does that ring a bell? Yeah. Is that um, something you don't want to talk about? I mean. If it's not, that's totally fine. I just want to make sure if I guess just between you and me, is uh, am I thinking the right? I'm um, uh, I'm not off base though. I'm not like I I
1: I had a podcast yeah. that ended over a year ago. Okay. Yeah, and uh, I tried to end things on good terms. Right, okay. And uh, they were not uh, okay. clearly like the the guy who I used to do the podcast with just um, you know went off and uh, I thought we would just do our own things, but uh, he's dedicated to. You know, talking shit. So yeah, and you yeah. you know you're just uh, I've moved on. Yeah. I have not. So my my, my new podcast uh, is is a debate right. themed. You podcast. You did the
0: most one of the most recent ones
1: is is it cool to punch a Nazi? That was a that was a debate I did um a while ago okay. with the yeah we debate things we debate things on the podcast and and then the listeners vote on which side they find more persuasive uh, on the website yeah um and we just did a podcast on. Whether or not CNN crossed the line. Um, and regardless of whatever side the guest debates, I will debate the other side of the issue. Uh, like a
0: debate class. Like a like a – I mean I, I've taken uh, – what was it? Political science. I took a yeah. and you're just – somebody's going to pick one. You're just picking the other.
1: Essentially, yeah. Yeah,
0: and you're just using that – whether whatever you personally believe doesn't really make a difference right. as far as the debate is concerned. Right. So what's – I mean I want to say what's next. I mean obviously you have a book next, but – You know, are you able to kind of give, like, attention to all the things equally that you want to? You know, you have a a podcast, and uh, you're writing books, and you know, YouTube, and other other things going. You know, you got publishers, producers. You know, you got your people. (laughs) They're breathing down your neck. They want the pages. You know what I mean? Synergy, verticals. You know, all that kind of stuff. Is it hard for you to keep up with it all, or are you just somebody who just is like, just moved, just stuff out there.
1: I I definitely need a break. I feel like I'm working seven days a week now, um, which if, is t- I mean you know if that happened, people that work for
0: themselves like creating their own stuff seven days a week is, but I mean you might be doing a hard seven days or some people just say they're doing seven days a week. I mean
1: this is uh, I have never been busier in my life. This is an insane amount of work that I have right now. I'm working on a web series that I haven't even announced yet. I'm working on a video game that I haven't even announced mm-hmm. yet. I'm working on the weekly podcast which. By the way, it takes me about 10 to 12 hours of work to put out one podcast because I do research and editing, and I book the guests, and um, I make a video version of it as well that goes on a separate YouTube channel. I do the social marketing. And so
0: you, are you are you hands-on everything, or do you have people helping?
1: Um, pretty much hands-on everything. I have an audio engineer for my podcast. He's Mikey Bolts. Uh, oh, I know. I, yeah, yeah. He yeah. does impressions, right? Yeah, he does, he does impressions. impressions. Yeah. He's amazing. He's yeah. really good. Um, my, my buddy... Um, my co-host Rukka Rukka Ali, uh, he he does a lot of he- helping with uh, bookings and that sort of thing, and um, you know we always hang out together. He's a really good guy, um, but it's just so much work, man. At the end of the day, I am probably working like ten to twelve hours per day on these on various projects, and that's not even that's not even like, you know YouTube stuff and my web page and social media and that sort of thing. It's just constant work. Um so at some point I'll be taking a break. I think that'd be pretty awesome. Do
0: you ever go back to Utah to unwind or
1: No, Utah sucks. Uh I try not to. Yeah. Um Utah, I always tell people it's a good place to start life and a good place to end it. Okay. Uh, <laughs> cuz but in that life sandwich, don't be don't be the no, meat. No. No, you got to get out there. Cuz Utah Utah's like clean and quiet and safe place to raise your family. And it's also a clean and quiet and safe place to die. Uh yeah. that's about it.
0: Yeah, well, that's Come to Utah. It's uh, we're happy to have you. That's their.
1: Uh... I will say this about Utah, though: really good coffee shops. Okay. Really good um, craft beer, uh, draft beer places. Mm-hmm. A lot of brew pubs, uh, and and Salt Lake City is very liberal. Salt Lake City, I would say, is more liberal than Los Angeles, um, it, because Sal- Utah is such a red state. It's surrounded by a sea of conservatism. So all the liberals in in Utah have concentrated in Salt Lake City. So the mayors of Salt Lake will generally huge hold rallies and protests against conservative or Republican It's like, it's like
0: a uh, big Mormon community, correct? Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah. yeah.
0: Are they – they're not in uh, – probably not in the Salt Lake City area? Probably on this no.
1: Road. Well, it's, it's funny because they're always fighting. Um, Salt Lake City has the big Mormon temple, and then uh, that the, you have, like, all these, um, you know, different uh, pride rallies and things downtown Salt Lake. Salt Lake City is – have you ever been to Austin? I have, yeah. Yeah, so Salt Lake City is kind of like, like Austin of Utah. Okay. Yeah. Keeping it weird. It's right. very weird, yeah. yeah. It's not that weird though. Austin. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I felt like Austin was like eh, it's kind of normal. Oh, so there's a <laughs> there's like a
0: Ben and Jerry's that had like tie dye on the outside, and I was like, yeah. it's cool. It's a, it's a nice city. Yeah. Well, where uh, so pretty much we could find everything on your website. Yeah. Is that like is through- that a good home base?
1: For you? Yeah. The uh, website is uh, Maddox.exe. Just Google the best page in the universe. Or don't. I don't give a shit. Yeah. And then the other one is uh, the, the podcast. That's a weekly thing yeah. that I'm doing now. Yeah. Uh, madcastmedia.com. And I try to have a, a large number of voices on the podcast. So, uh, I like to have uh, people from the left, people from the right. I like to have interesting. As long
0: as they're all white, you're good, right? Just white people. Yeah, just the white yeah. people. But other than that, really diverse. Yeah. <laughs>
1: um. No, yeah, the podcast The podcast is a lot of fun, uh, you know, the debate podcast. We'd love to have you on, too. I would uh, love to do it. And by the way, Jason, I got to say, so uh, anytime I have a YouTuber on the podcast, I almost always try to mention your name or Phil DeFranco. Okay. Because, like, people, you've worked with everyone. You know everyone. Yeah. You were, uh, Chad Wild Clay was on not Oh, too long yeah, ago, he's great. We, we talked about you on the podcast, oh, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was like, yeah, uh, I'm sure we know some mutual people, and we started rattling it on. I like
0: to be kind of like the unofficial mayor, but, like, uh, irrelevant, uh, kind of out of uh, outdated uh, mayor
1: of, of YouTube. <laughs> Jason, um. you're in it. You're in everything. You, you guys, if you, you guys got to check out Jason. If you even go, uh, go to YouTube and just search yeah. for Jason Horton, you'll find a billion videos, and they're not even mostly yours. They're like no. Other people's, right? Well, the
0: problem. Go to youtube.com/slash Jason Horton. I have a, like new cartoon types comedy on there now. Go to my channel too sometimes
1: you've collaborated with so many people like jenna marbles mm-hmm. right anna Kana.
0: i've done I, I did a voiceover thing with her at machina but we did a cartoon or something like that yeah I yeah about that. I, but it pretty much a lot of people in, in some way
1: yeah yeah it's cool and what got you into the youtube realm why did you start doing that
0: improv was kind of it was it, it, it was like doing improv and i was putting a lot of like uh weight on if i had a good improv show or if i did a, you know a good commercial edition and then i just started acting in uh, stuff and then I was like, Whoa, you can get 2,000 people can get you. I was working with like I, Justine." and I was like, What do you do? And she's like, This. I was like, No, really, what do you do <laughs> like, for a living? She's like, This. And I was like, Why does your video, like, I ate a cheeseburger, have like 2 million views? And I was like, This is dumb. And I was like, Wait a minute, is it dumb? And I kind of just, uh, from a marketing perspective, like, How do I get, you know, you've done improv shows yeah. for sometimes a small amount of people. You know, kind of know,
1: I mean, no, maybe not at UCB, you probably always had a nice full house. Yeah, but what even I- then, at, at the fullest house at UCB is still what 130 people, right. 130 seats. That's kind of why I so I the very first class I took at UCB mm-hmm. was a sketch writing class, and I was sitting there writing, and it was like this committee of people shitting on your writing, mm-hmm. and it's like, no, this it should this you should change this. This should be this should be funnier. I'm like, wait, um, is it though? Because what if someone? And I realize there's a problem of a committee, right? Uh, and it changed the way I write. So I, I would bring in sketches. Sometimes my sketches were shit. I knew they were shit. sometimes they were great. And sometimes other people's sketches were great. They would bring in perfect sketches. And because everybody had to note it, you know, give a note and throw in their five cents or, or ten cents, it would get noted to death and sometimes the end result would change would change and yeah. be much shittier. And then I thought, oh my gosh, what am I doing with my life? I'm sitting here trying to write a sketch. That I'm going to put on for 130 people at UCB, where these people are trying to get to the point where they have an audience, like I have currently. My my YouTube audience is uh, like my average video gets 120,000 views. What the fuck am I doing? Wasting my time with like these bozos? Like and then so I decided like never do sketch at UCB or anywhere. No no diss on UCB or the sketch uh, system because I've seen a lot of great stuff come out of there. But um, I think that if you have an audience. If you have a YouTube channel, if you have a following, go there. Do that. Uh, There's no need to necessarily do do a sketch at UCB. And here's how it's changed my writing, Jason. I noticed that when I would go to pitch meetings in Hollywood, there would be a room full of like 10 people, right? One or two of them will be the executives, and the other ones will be their assistants or their assistants' assistants and ass kissers. And if they come to that meeting and they, they don't throw in their 10 cents, right, on your Project, then they're gonna feel like they haven't done their job.
0: Right. Yeah. They're right. Yeah. They're not validated S- by
1: being there. Correct. So, I decided I realized that, and from uh, for a long time, I've always kept the strategy of throwing a red herring into my scripts
0: S- to give them something. Give to them n-
1: something to cut. Yeah. Give them so. So, I, for example, I did a children's show one time, and I went into the pitch meeting. They loved it. They said, "Hey, Maddox, we want to buy this right now. This is a great thing." And I threw in a homeless character. That's a friend with the kids. And they're like, um. And I, I remember arguing with my writing partner for a long time about this. And he's like, dude, no one will do a kid's show with a homeless character in there. I'm like, I know. That's the point. That's going to be the thing they cut in the yeah. meeting. And they feel like they've done. They, they feel like yeah. they've done something, right? Yeah, yeah. And so during the meeting, they're like, yeah, Maddox, we really like the show. But uh, can we cut the homeless character? And, like, oh, and I'm like, oh, yeah. Oh. Uh, All right. You guys are right. Yeah. 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 like yeah, like, yeah, if we have to, I guess. Uh, so I always do that in my pitches in my meetings and that sort of thing because I know the psychology of someone sitting in the meeting. Sure. It also happens on podcasts sometimes. If you have a podcast with, you know, three guests and one of them isn't talking for a long time, sometimes it's me. I realize, okay, it's not about me. It's not my ego. I don't have to say anything. I don't have to remind people that I'm in the room. I just have to listen and chime in when I need to. Right. When, yeah, when, it's, when you feel like you have something to say. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a
0: that's a skill you learn in improv. Absolutely. Give and take. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh,
1: everyone check out Maddox and uh, the best page in the universe. It's the best one. Madcastmedia.com for the podcast. It's the best debate in the universe, the best page in the universe, the best show in the That's like my whole theme and brand. Yeah, but you so. don't
0: give a shit if they show up.
1: No. I. Uh, <laughs> the only place that I it doesn't cost me money where I actually stand to make some a little bit is YouTube. Yeah. But, you know, it's YouTube. Yeah.
0: So, so. – Yeah. All right. Well, thanks for being here. Um, subscribe to 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 Friends Without Benefits. Why not? Right. Friends Without Benefits on iTunes, Stitcher, Stitcher, and sometimes I put it on LinkedIn because I'm super desperate.
1: (laughs) America, we are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights: life